It was Freddie, Sam, Corey, Eric, Philando, Ahmad, Steven, Kenneth, Amadou, Jonathan, Christian, Terrace, Sean. Killed him a day before his wedding. Jamal killed him while he was in handcuffs. Mike killed him while he had his hands up. Kamani, Ramali, Philip, Alton. About three Kevins, about two Joys. John, Laquan, Bethon, Stefan, Tony, Tamir, Elijah, Antoine, Isel, Terrell, Dontre, Akai, George. For him, set the country on fire. Timothy, Patrick, Paul, Tyree, Quintonio, Darius, Jeremy, William, Anthony, Dante, Oscar, Kendrick, Keith, David, Walter, woman like Sandra, Betty, Rihanna, India, Michelle, Atatiana, Tanisha, Rika, Natasha, Pamela, Janet, Megan, baby Ayana, all that we lost, your name Levon, wasn't killed by a cop, but I can't forget Trayvon, can't forget Emmett, and all of those we lost to the beast, no justice, no peace. No. Good afternoon, happy Monday, and welcome back to another episode of Black versus the Board of Education. My name is Miss Laureen, and I am so excited to be back with you guys uh, this week. And although it's a serious topic, we want to make sure you guys engage with us. So before we get started, let me go ahead and uh, do the round robin and uh, let you meet my co-host. You should know them, but in case you're new and this is your first week, I want to make sure you know who's in the building. So let's start with Melissa. Go ahead and say hey to, to the people. Hi guys, my name is Melissa. I'm 14 year old freshman in Southern California and I'm excited to be here. Thank you, welcome back. Go ahead, Didi, say hey. Hey, my name is Adia or Didi and I'm a sophomore at Endercombe High School. Now, do you prefer Adia or Didi? Cause I know I keep calling you Didi. Which one do you prefer? It's really whatever, I'm not tripping. People All call right. me both. All right, well, Didi, Didi's in the building. Uh, Janice, go ahead and say hey. Hi everybody, I'm Janice. I'm a 14 year old freshman in high school in the Sacramento region. <laughs> That's what's up. <laughs> Mariah, say hello, please. Hi, guys. I'm Mariah. I'm 16 and I'm a junior. A junior. All right. And last but not least, Lex. Hi, guys. I'm Lex and 17 years old, a senior in the Sacramento area. Yay. So we're all here. Um, and we have a lot to talk about. The The title of today's episode is Sick and Tired of Being Sick and Tired. We've seen a lot of things go on this week, and we wanted to give y'all space to kind of express some of those. But before we jump to that, we want to kind of take a look at some of the stories um, that we've seen. So, Jada, if you can go ahead and start with the first story, that'd be perfect. Oh, that's yes. That's us. Hey, y'all. Hey. <laughs> All right. All right. So this one is a screenshot. So I got this screenshot while I was away in the Bay Area this weekend, kind of um, tapping in with some of our bass and youth. And this email came through. Uh, one of the students was asking, I guess you have to read from the bottom up. She was asking basically for a course printout. And uh, as you can see, it ends with, if you can see your grade book on student view, so if I can see your grade book on student view, so can you. Um, and she said, Miss, whoever it was, I believe it was the counselor, uh, would have contacted me herself. Any further communications with me will be through an administrator. Uh, ladies, what, 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 what the what? I feel like it kind of shows like a lot of teachers like superiority complex over students. And like they, even when she says like, oh, I'm just going to talk to an administrator. Like you can't talk to your student, you know, just person to person. And I assume... You know what I mean? Like, this isn't like a kindergartner. You know what I mean? And like, it probably doesn't take you that long. Like, why are you being difficult with it? 
It's out of pocket how these teachers be acting and thinking that it's okay for them to act the way they act when simply she was just asking a simple question and it didn't even have to be all that for the teacher to try and beat around the bush and just simply be a complete butthole. Like, why? Why are you even being like that towards a student who's supposed to be your student? If anything, at least she cares about getting a form like that. Some kids don't even care to try. So at this point, you're being ungrateful and you're being a complete nuisance. Hmm. I feel but, like the teacher was trying to, um, what's it called, like, reassure her power over the student, you know, she's like, well, next time this happens, you know, I'm calling admin and we're getting on you, you know, like, it's, that's not necessary, but obviously she felt, I don't know if the word threatened is even right, but she felt some type of need to push back or show that she's better than the student and she has power over the student and basically can make or break the student in a way. And that's kind of disgusting that the teacher felt the need to do that. So that's weird. Where does this aggressiveness come from? Like, why are teachers feeling the need to establish some social hierarchy? That's, it's weird. Yeah, and you know, and as an, as an advocate, you know, when I see things like that, first of all, um, I try to look at things in context. So, um, of course, I was sent more screenshots than that one. Uh, what was in there was that the counselor actually asked her to ask the teacher for this coursework printout. She asked the teacher for the coursework printout and she's basically saying, well, if I could see it, you can too. Like, like what's wrong with you? And my thing is, if a student can see it, they're not going to ask you where it's at. <laughs> like, like, duh. Like, if I can see it, I'm not asking you where it's at. So saying that any further communications with me will be through an administrator, is that a threat? Like, what, what, what's the administrator supposed to do? Does he got access to your coursework? Like, if he got access to the coursework, why I'm talking to you in the first place? I don't like it. And so now that student feels like they're powerless in that situation when all they're trying to do is get their coursework printout. So now I got to come in and I got to match that adult energy because I'm here for it. And I got to ask you, what, are the, what's, what's the, what should she have done to get the course printout? What is the protocol that's set up? Why did you CC another additional teacher on this email to this student? Why did you threaten them with admin? Ain't nobody scared of admin. The admin are there to police them, not to police the students. So I'm really kind of confused at why so hostile when somebody is asking for a grade printout. That should be something that you can go on there and it could be like, it seems like something so basic. I don't know, I'm not a teacher. Maybe if I got some teachers in the comment section, is it a, a huge lift to print out a grade or a coursework uh, printout so that the student knows whether they're missing grades? Am I missing something? Because I just, I just don't understand it. So um, shout out to that student for sending that to me and we're gonna get right on that. The email has already gone out to that uh, specific school and that specific teacher CC and her and she needs to be reprimanded for the way in which she talked to the student, period. Um, Jada, go ahead and go to the next student. I'm sorry, the next story. So somebody sent this to me last night. So this is the, the story of there was a, an administrator in Piedmont Unified School District um, who set up a restorative circle for white students who wanted to kind of decompress about uh, the Chauvin trial. Um, is that problematic or no? Very much so. As if white kids don't have a space already enough. The school is their space to talk. The, mm -hmm. school, the school is for them have a space to talk and having been in a restorative practice no because they're not well-intentioned mm -hmm. no, mine wasn't well-intentioned okay there, it's not a support there's no supports needed because the school is their support they're mm -hmm. not being discluded from any type of environment Interesting. So, and, and, you know, we were going back and forth in this uh, during the group chat and I asked you um, what exactly was the problem with giving other students um, the opportunity to take part in a restorative circle? What, what do you think the problem is with that? And I understand, you know, you said that, you know, the school is their environment, but why would it be problematic for this administrator to set up a restorative practice for white students regarding the Chauvin trial? Because it's anticipating that black students aren't feeling right now. 
like you're directing your attention to another audience. Mm -hmm. That's okay. leaving us feeling more left out and unwelcomed. Right. Okay, Denise. I honestly, quite frankly, I don't see a problem. Misery loves company. Misery loves to be accompanied by something more miserable, something more poor, something more just terrible. So, you know, if they want to accompany, accompany themselves with all these white students talking about how hurtful it is that he got charged for three counts of murder when he murdered a black man, you know what? They can be miserable all on their own. Misery loves company. I say go off, sis. Do what y'all do. I think that the problem there is more with the fact that they said in the post, like, it's unfair to black and brown students, but then don't include black and brown students. Like you're saying, this is affecting people of color, but then you seclude this one thing, this support group just for white people. So it's like, there, there goes our white peers talking about black and brown issues. Like they know, like what the struggle is, they don't you know, there's a disconnect and, and they didn't even provide or give information about a circle for other students. It was just like, hey, white students for this, we have this support group for the reaction to the trial. You know, they didn't say, and our black and brown students or our black students who seem to be affected, go to this website or go to this link. And so I'm like, okay, so what about us? I mean, it's our issues, but you're not providing anything for us. Like you recognize it, but you're not doing anything to help us. You know, it's like they're recognizing it, but then they're kind of brushing us off. So that's, it's, it's annoying and it's frustrating. Like, hello, you know, there's a problem, but you don't address it. Like if their house is on fire, you're not going to put the hose on the house next to them. Like, you know, it, does, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, I think uh, my, my problem was the whole, um, you know, this is unfair to black and brown communities. How? How is it unfair to black and brown communities? Like, why are we being lumped in, right? So I, I believe, go ahead, who is that, Denise? I don't, I don't think it's unfair to brown communities. It's unfair to black communities. I hate when they, they try to include us, the, the black and the brown. No, we're black, we're all black, maybe in different tones, but we're all black. So, you know, it's no black and brown in this situation because it wasn't a brown man being held down. It was a black man. Simple as that. So there's no black and brown in this issue. No, it's unfair in a form. It could be unfair to black students, but it's just like, you know, let them do what they do. And as black students, it's like as if we've always had to fend for ourselves on school grounds. We've always had to fend for ourselves on school campuses. So at the end of the day, this is how it's always been. So it's just like more so us continuing to do what we've been doing, which is spending for ourselves. Oh, well, they can do what they do. It doesn't matter. It's not like we're going to be included or a part of the conversation. So how does it affect us? They might refer to it, but they're more so, you know, talking about the man and Derek Chauvin and how how poor it is and whatever they want to talk about. So it's more so it affects black students. We're not here to talk about the brown students. We love y'all, too. But it's about our black students and our black babies, because that's what we're here for. Simple as that. Us black kids. Yeah. And so I, I'm reading Miss Joy and hey, Miss Joy from so South Carolina. Um, it says, I don't think I think it, it is not excluding them. I would love to hear their side as students. And and I think what our students are saying is that um, sometimes they need to be focused on. This was a highly traumatic situation for black the black community and our black students are having an incredibly hard time. So to see a support group name for someone other than them first. Um, I think that is where the problem is. So I don't think it's specifically about excluding other people, although right now the focus needs to be on um, our Black students and how they're feeling in the moment. So thank you for your comment. And hey, Ms. Chanel, thank you. Welcome. Welcome to the party. Um, so, you know, as, as the verdict came down, and I know we opened an immediate Zoom up for you guys to come through and, and kind of um, express what it was that you were going through last week. Um, would you mind sharing um, with the folks who don't know you all and didn't have the opportunity to talk to you guys uh, last Tuesday, I think it was, Wednesday? Um, how did that verdict coming down, how, what was the type of response that, that you felt you were um, gearing up for? Um, and I'll go ahead and I'll start with Didi. I mean, I was honestly, like when we were texting in the group chat before the response, like I was kind of assuming it was going to be um, not guilty because I feel like that's what it always is. But I think it's important. I don't think 
this the verdict of him being innocent you know people are saying oh we can breathe again yada 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 nothing's changed like i saw something on instagram it wasn't about black justice it was about white capitalism and that's very true because it was mm -hmm. just about the only thing that was different from george floyd for all the other processes certain groups of people were mostly not people even in the black community but that's a conversation for another time but we're like burning stuff and like looting blah 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 so it was about not having to it was just about money no mm -hmm. laws have changed if it doesn't if it didn't if they didn't if People, black people still can't breathe. Black people could breathe if there were laws in place to make sure, or there are policy in place to make sure this doesn't happen again. Justice right. is his coming back from the dead. This is just accountability for him killing him. So when I got the verdict, I was just like, it's great, but I also like, what is happening for Breonna Taylor? What is happening for Tamir Rice? What is happening for Philando Castile? Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of just like, we black people still can't breathe. And to say we can't, I feel like it's just kind of mocking the face and just to say that we're still, like, this is justice, it's not justice. Mm. Melissa? I, I was I was very surprised that he was guilty. Um, we watched it on FaceTime, a few of my friends, and it was, we were all surprised. I really did not think that he was gonna be held, like Didi said, be held accountable for his actions because, you know, no one, almost no one ever is, but, seeing all the things on social media where everyone's like oh we got justice we got justice and these are people who are not black people who are white and of other races saying oh we got justice for george floyd no because his family is still hurt they're never going to be able to be whole again and so it's frustrating when people say that we got justice or people are saying oh now like you said like we can all breathe now no we can't because there this is still happening every single day not even an hour afterwards the police killed someone else and then a day a day later they killed someone else and it keeps happening and it seems like after we got the verdict it was happening at a faster pace and maybe i'm just seeing more of it on social media but it really seemed like it was happening faster because they thought oh we can keep them quiet now because they got what they wanted and we get to do whatever we want so it's just it's frustrating mm -hmm. janice you were going to pop in there Oh, Janice was finna say, like once before that happened, why, right? Why you go why you go third person on us? You right. <laughs> Come <Okay>. on, Janice. <laughs> Anyways, right. So before this whole like the verdict was determined, like my mom was like getting groceries, like, you know, stacking up on food, stacking up on paper towels because of, you know, the loss of hope in the justice system, the loss of hope in the people who are in positions of power within this country. I feel like the verdict, it was good, not great. It was okay, but that's the bare minimum. They give us the bare minimum, the minimum, minimum. They continuously give us the bare and us being like, oh, that was justice. Like y'all are just satisfying for anything. Like y'all settling for so much less than what we deserve. Like what's the, what's the reason? Because really they didn't want us tearing up this country. That's why they pleaded him guilty on all three charges because they didn't want their stores rioting. They didn't want people out on these streets. And quite frankly, their economy cannot afford to be shut down again, which is why they're trying to get everybody pro-vaccination, go get vaccinated, be out here, you know, spend money on our economy. Y'all can't afford for us to riot. Simply y'all was making, like Adia said, a smart money move. Simple as that. It's not justice. No, it's them protecting themselves. Simple as that. It was it was a protection mechanism. It wasn't them, oh, we care about the people that was wrong what he did. No, they simply don't care. They don't care about our lives because they can they continue to take our lives. Obviously they don't care about us. Simple as that. It was them more so protecting themselves and keeping their own security. Because they don't care about us and they never have. Hmm. Mariah. Y'all, I am so like tired of being a consumer of all of this as a young black woman like I like as soon a young as the, black lady. We not giving you the woman title yet. You're not oh, 18. A woman anyway, I like. I don't know. As soon as we had that call, I like. I talked like. I felt the tension in my jaw, like yeah. just like that anger and frustration and just like irritate, like all those emotions put into one. And I was just like, I was put in a place like, that's not justice. You know, that's that's accountability. It's the bare minimum. And like Janice said, we're not going to get justice because they want us, they don't want us to turn up these streets. They want money. It all breaks down to a socioeconomic standpoint. And it sucks because like, as a consumer of all of this, we're witnessing it happening in the world. And then we go home, we're still watching in the news. We go to school, we still see it at school. There, we get no reprieve. Mm -hmm. No, 
we're alive yet as black kids we're not breathing safely and openly without people to help safeguard us we don't get to speak recklessly because we get looked at a funny way we don't get to be out here making jokes acting a fool as we have no home training because that's going to reflect negatively upon us we get no reprieve and we're just witnessing all this yet we go to school and we're out in public and we're expected to stand strong we expect to speak eloquently, be well-versed in what's going on. Like, it's crazy as we're witnessing this because they didn't want us, they didn't know. He got pleaded guilty because they knew what was going to happen if he wasn't going to. Mm. Stuff was going to happen. Lex? Yeah, I mean, everyone basically said what I was going to say, you know, they're trying to put a Band-Aid on a broken arm. Like, you need to go in, you know, you got to put the bone back together. I've never had a broken bone, so I don't really know how it works. But, you know, they got to put the cast on. They got to keep it on for a long time. You know, it's a process. But they're like, okay, let me give you a little cute Band-Aid. Like, no, that's not going to work. But for some people, they're like, okay, like that Band-Aid did something. Like, it's my arm feels better. Like, no, that's not, that's not, that's not how it works. You know, that's not how it happens. And it's just... It's like an illusion. They're like, okay, see, we're getting justice. Like, it's going to start, we're going to start a path of getting better. And then someone gets shot. Like, you know, it's just like, as soon as we maybe start on the come up, you know, we get shot back down. I mean, literally. And it's kind of like, it's frustrating. And it's just like, I thought we were going to start going somewhere. And then I sit back in my chair. I'm like, wait, that's not going to happen. That's just not how it's set up. You know, they're trying to make it seem like we're going somewhere and we're really not. And at the end of the day, I'm just like Mariah said, you know, people will tell you to turn the TV off or, you know, take a break. Okay. It's still happening. It doesn't change anything. I'll wake up. I'll go turn the TV on the next morning. Another person's dead. You know, it, there's, there's no change and there's no escape that the other people have the luxury of, you know, turning off their devices, you know, just staying at home, doing things like that. And it's just, it's frustrating. It's tiring. You know, seeing the trial, I was like, surprised. I was surprised of the verdict, but at the end of the day, I'm like, nothing's changed. So it's yeah. just, it's tiring. Yeah. And I just want to remind everybody you're listening to Black versus the Board of Education. Follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. We are on both platforms. Um, and so what, what really sticks out to me is when we opened that immediate Zoom, there was a 10 year old um, on the call. And she was so distraught and it was really hard to listen to her kind of speaking about what seeing all this is doing to her mental health and how she was feeling as a 10 year old who really shouldn't have to think about these things, but because she's a black child in America, it is life. Right. And so, you know, I wanted to know kind of from you all's perspective, when we're talking about your mental health, what type of physical things do you notice? Like I heard Mariah, you say your jaw was tensing up. What type of physical things are you noticing within your, your bodies when um, you're constantly bombarded with this imagery of black death? Um, Janice? I can't, okay. For one, it's hard to, it's hard to sleep. Like when I tell y'all I have not gotten good sleep, I've been waking up at 3 a.m. every night, just uh, absorbing, thinking, consuming, mm -hmm. and just wondering of like, you know, okay, now what are you going to do to get out in this world to try and at least attempt to, you know, reconcile or help people or be there for people of your community, just up there wondering. And it's like, not even really getting sleep. It is just like my mind is constantly just spinning about like thinking about, okay, what next is going to happen? Like, will I be safe going outside? Okay. And then it's just like a really a pain. Like it's more so an unbelievable pain in my heart when I see, especially watching the video of that girl get murdered. It's just like a piece of me is ripped away because I feel like another person, another black person, another a girl who looked like me around my age being murdered by a police officer and that could be anybody in that situation there are a lot of us black students and black kids in foster homes like there is a lot of things that can happen and it's just like am I safe is anybody I know safe like when will I ever be able to feel safe and it's just like going outside is just like okay will I make it back home is there anything else that is there anything that I need to say to somebody before I at least leave the house because I'm not safe outside and quite frankly we're not really safe in our homes either Mm. Melissa? 
when I think when I, I try not to think about it because then I'm not able to function and it's hard to even think and focus on my work. And I have a little cousin who's seven and that's how old George Floyd's daughter is. And he knows that he that they were both seven years old. And so after the George Floyd murder murder, he asked me, why did that police officer kill him? And so it's hard to have to have that conversation with a seven year old. And it's frustrating because it's just it's hard to have that conversation. And then it takes a toll on me. I'm like, wow, that could be his dad. That could be my dad. And so it's just it's frustrating because I have to go to school and I have to act like I'm fine. And I'm not because, you know, that could be somebody I, I know it could it could be one of you guys. And I talk to you guys every day. And so it just it's frustrating that I have to live like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Didi. Yeah, um, I definitely feel you, Janice. Like, I'm always, like, thinking about, like, what can I do? And it's kind of just stressful because I feel like a lot of the times, like, I need something I need to work on is not trying to put everything on my shoulders. You know what I mean? Because it's kind of like you see this stuff happening, like, no matter how educated I am, no matter how much I know every little incentricity of white supremacy and all this stuff, or whoever knows it, that's not going to stop a police officer from shooting them. You know what I mean? And it's also... Yeah, it's just really draining. Going off what Melissa said too, like I feel like, I don't know, it's really hard like to find this balance of black joy, but also being aware of the situation that you're in. Because mm-hmm. it's sometimes, a lot of the times it's hard to have both at the same time. So I feel like, you you know, kind of what Melissa was saying about having talked to a seven-year-old about that, you know what I mean? It's like, you want to preserve black joy and preserve hope and all this stuff, but it's also kind of like, well, I need to tell you what it is for you to survive at the same time. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's a really hard, you know, ways to play. Yeah. Lex, were you about to unmute? Was that what you were doing when you were moving forward? Yeah. Um, I want to, I know where my stress is and like where it sits on my body. Like when I'm physically um, and emotionally like feeling some type of way, I always get affected in my chest area, my lungs. I physically feel like I can't breathe. So like, and when I see something, you know, it's like when someone's yelling at you or upset with you and you like really need to say something, but you can't. So you have to keep and you get that feeling in your chest. That's how I feel all the time. And I because I can't I can't do anything. I can't say anything about it where my voice where I think will be heard. You know, that's why, you know, we did this podcast because our voices are being heard right now. But it's just like I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. So my chest is just like getting super heavy and I feel like I just can't breathe and nothing's coming out. I'm just like wow like I need to take a step back this is taking not only an emotional toll but physical toll on my body like I can't do anything I can't even speak right you know and it's just like uh what Adia was what Didi was saying it's like you can't go out places um and you just have you have to like assess your situations you know because it's it might be a life life or death at the end of the day so you know it's really hard to sorry I just lost my train of thought to be um, black and be happy, be upspirited, you know, when you're always looking down upon it, you never know when a situation could like that quickly change. And it's really disheartening. And I can't breathe. Yeah. Mariah, you want to add on? Like I said earlier, it's like, like, I feel it in my, I feel it in my jaw. Like it's a burning and freezing. It's a hot and cold type of feeling. Like, and you feel like the weight on you, it's like those pressures. And it's funny how Janice said, like, we can't feel safe in our homes. You see how they had a no search warrant? They have, they came up in there. Well, you're they, talking about a no knock search warrant. No knock, sorry, my bad. Okay. No knock, okay. like, like a no, no search warrant. Like, I flinch every time a, a FedEx driver comes. Really? And we have a ring doorbell. Like, if we, there is no type of safeties it's hard for us to find it and that just traces into comfortability. Like we get no reprieve. We face this every single day. Like, and it's crazy how a lot of people don't have others to talk to or even the emotional capacity to talk to someone. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's crazy. I wanted to um, ask something for all of you guys. I know Didi said, you know, it's kind of hard not to take things personal when we see these things happening or not like take them all on. Um, But, you know, I I was talking to my dad and I was like, how do you not take it personal? You know, 
Like these are our brothers and sisters being killed. You know, these are our brothers and sisters being shot in the streets. So it's like, do they not want us to take account for that? Do they not want us to care? Like, I know there's a difference between like understanding and then kind of taking it on, but do they expect us not to? I mean, there's people that look that look just like us, you know, being killed. And it's at that point, you're like, I mean, it could be me. I might as well like carry that weight, carry that burden. So I wanted to know if you guys are all kind of doing the same thing. Um, Cause I know I am, and I know it is taking a toll on me, but I just wanted to know if you guys are as well. I feel like directly it's very much me. I'm, I've gotten to a very simple place in my mind to where it's just like, you know, there's nothing I can do about these things. Police officers are protected. They have immunity. They have people behind them. They have a lot of forces behind them that allows them to act out and act bad. So it's more so just me finding peace within the broken pieces of this world and seeing it and being aware of it, but still having that inner peace to where it's just like, you know, I still have stuff to be grateful for. I still have a lot to be thankful for. I am blessed. I'm alive. The people I love and care about are alive. So it's more so I'm grateful, but it's just like, it's sickening. It's disheartening and it's hurtful looking out to see this world, but it's more so I always try and find myself in a place to where it's just like I'm simply focusing on me and my well-being because if I take that away then I will end up pretty much going crazy and ballistic with dealing with the issues and the problems of this nation and this sickening country Mm. I definitely I definitely carry it I have um my cousins who I'm close with are all older and one he's 17 he's about to leave home and are young adults and are gone and it's scary because you get a story and you're like oh is that them or you know it could be them next you know if it's in the next town over or even even if they're it's farther away it's it's frustrating and it's scary so I do take it on and I do feel it because you know it could be them it could be me it could be it could be anyone so it's just it's scary and I definitely do carry it and you know and as an adult looking at this stuff there are certain things that we too are going through right and um i just remember feeling nauseous i remember um getting this really big headache and then i had to quickly pivot because i needed to be there for you all and then hearing you guys speak that one made me want to cry but i can't cry because i need to make sure y'all are straight and so i think that a lot of times um, we we do this work. You guys are talking about making a difference, and and that's exactly what these adults in in BYLP and all of our support work networks are doing. But what I have to tell you is, when we went down to the Bay Area this weekend, and there was a a really strong difference between um, the young ladies in Basin, not just because they're non-black, but the young ladies in in Basin, and then the lady young ladies from BGSN. What I noticed was that the young ladies in Basson, they were children. They were allowed to be children. They they responded as children were. They were carefree. Um, they they were happy-go-lucky. Like all of the things that I would want for all children to have access to be. But then when we turn around and we look at our young ladies from BGSN, you guys are very very serious. You guys are very um, aware of what's going on around you because you have to be. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to um, understand and, and, you know, maybe you all can explain it to me. Do you see the difference between yourselves and how your counterparts are allowed to just exist in this world? And Mariah, I saw you shaking your head, so I'm gonna come to you first. Yeah. And then I'm gonna come to Melissa. Our meeting we had the other day, the man in the background was like, wow, you speak so good. Like you're 16. Yeah. I don't have the luxury of not speaking as eloquently or as um, straight as I do. I don't have the luxury of not having a wide vocabulary and stuttering and saying, "Mm," and Oh, I guess, I don't know. No, because I have to be smart. I have to be socially aware or else I'm not going to be respected. If I act dumb, I'm going to be treated dumb. My mom has taught me that ever since I was young and can talk. We have to try harder to be respected less than. Mm. And it's a pattern. And specifically for Black girls, it's a pattern. Over-adultified. We have to act 
more than. We have to act older, be more respectful, mindful of the things that we say, intentional with our messaging or else we're not going to be respected. And intentional with your hairstyles and your dress code, but that's a whole nother story for a different day. Uh, <laughs> Melissa. I definitely see a difference with um, between me and my counterparts. Um, I actually was going to have a conversation with a friend today. Well, she's never mind. But um, I was talking about the trial and trying to talk about the trial and, you know, just trying to because she acts like she wants to be, you know, pro black and oh, I'm not racist until it's something she doesn't agree with. And I try and give her a different perspective and she doesn't listen. So it's hard to talk to her. And because she doesn't have to she doesn't have to have a different perspective because what happens to me doesn't affect her what happens to my people doesn't affect her so she gets to live her life how she wants to and everything that i do i have to be an overachiever just to be seen the same as the white students around me i have to you know i'm taking a college class right now and everybody around me who doesn't go to my school all the white kids are like, really? Why are you taking a college class? Because I have to, because, you know, I go into this world and I'm going to be beaten down even more than I am right now as a student. And so it's frustrating that I don't get to, you know, be a child as much as I want to. And it's, yeah. Mm. Okay. Personal. And- <laughs> okay. Denise? <laughs> Personally, I feel like, it's like our youth, we don't get to enjoy it as much. It's just more so like I could think back to when I actually, I felt very much like I was enjoying like being a child and I enjoy being a child, but it's more so like I can't because I still have to be aware of the things. I can't go outside and just, you know, walk up the block, play with the neighbors, play with kids because of it's dangerous. This world is dangerous. These people are crazy. And it's more so it's just like, I can't feel the need to just be like, you know, so carefree and so careless and just so open to doing anything and just going out and being out and having fun. And it's just like, I have to be aware. I have to know stuff. I have to be smart. I have to be articulate. I have to know what's going on around me because if not, I'm not going to survive. Like it's us trying to, it's hard to find a ground meeting of sparing my youth, being a child, but actually being aware of how to survive. So when I go out into this world, I'm prepared to be a person and a black person. And when I'm grown, a black woman in America, because right now I'm learning how to be a black child in America, but it's hard to even be a black child. Reality has to be faced. So it's more so when I talk to people, especially talking to people who don't look like me, it's more so they're like, you're so mature. You're so this, you're so that. But it's just like, I have to be. When I talk, I have to say things a certain way to where it's just like, you know, when you hear me you gonna feel what I'm saying simple as that and you have to or else you're not gonna respect me you're not gonna acknowledge me and you're probably gonna even ignore me and undermine me simple as that we have to grow up and be aware of our environment and not enjoy being children exactly that's exactly what we have to do yeah Didi yeah I just feel like also you know I think black children and just black people in general take on you know like we were talking about before like have to take on like trying to fix this you know what I mean for next generation and stuff I feel like white people or other groups and stuff like they just don't they don't feel like they have to take it on but I I feel like at the end of the day white people created white supremacy white people created these systems there's no reason that they shouldn't be trying to dismantle them and I just feel like it shouldn't be on black people's shoulders to do all the justice work for everybody you know what I mean and I just feel you know especially as children you know like it's like I don't I don't want my kid to have to learn this growing up. I need to do something about it. But I feel like also everybody in humanity should think they need to do something about this at the end of the day. Yeah. And so um, the the question that I see in the box is, can I receive a recording of this message? This message will be available um, via BYLP's YouTube page. It will be available on Facebook for replays. And we are also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So this message is going to be available uh, for you to share. Um, And so we want to make sure that those who are watching right now, if you have any questions that you want to ask the young ladies while they're here, um, please, please, please be encouraged to dialogue with us. Uh, Don't be shy because we like to communicate uh, with everybody. And we don't want you to think that just because you're watching, you're not part of this conversation because to fix this is going to take all of us. 
However, to fix what we're talking about is going to take an acknowledgement of the people in positions of power to want to change this. This is not something these kids are going to be able to fix. This is not somebody something for somebody who's not already in a position of authority to go ahead and institute these changes. Just like on the school system, we have superintendents in place, we have school boards in place, and we have uh, folks uh, that work for the district in place that can change some of the things that our children have been talking about, have been complaining about, um, is just falling on deaf ears. So we're gonna continue to uh, sound that alarm, to uh, hit that gong and make sure y'all understand that uh, we got some time and we're gonna continue coming before these, these people and in these spaces to let you guys understand what black students are dealing with because there's a lot of um, desire to want a couple black student interests with everybody else. And we have a specific interest and we have specific things that are going to require um, intentional resources to pour into this demographic of students who has been marginalized and, and pretty much pushed out in every single space that they've been in. And what they're telling you is they are not allowed to be children. Where do they do that at? Why are we allowing our children to be forced to grow up before one, they've uh, actually reached a certain age, two, before they've actually even gotten um, aware of these different um, skill sets to really what it takes to live in this world? And we can go back to that story of Micaiah Bryant, right? Um, although you can talk to um, many folks, law enforcement um, in the community as well, who will tell you that that was a good shoot, right? And just because something is, is legal does not make it permissible, does not make it ethical, and does not make it right. It doesn't. And so when I'm looking at you all as 16, 15, 16, 17 year olds, and, and you know, I'm, I've been around some of y'all for a while. Y'all are immature. I mean, straight up, you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be. That's what children are. But the fact that they can come into situations, people with the ability to determine life and death, come into a situation and determine who lives and who dies with no regard for the people around witnessing that. Do you know how much trauma was present that day? And as stories keep coming out, we're learning she was in foster care. We're learning the women that came to the house were adults. We're learning that the foster mother called these women to come over to the house to, ch to check her. We're learning that that foster mother has called police numerous times on numerous children in that home. I think the, the report said there were about 10 young people in that home. So who is going to be held accountable for that? That was a child. Why is she being looked at as the person who was supposed to have the forethought to know if I come out to defend myself from these grown women that I'm going to be the one killed? I don't care if she had a knife in that moment. You know, rage is a, is a thing, right? Rage is a thing. I'm not excusing the fact that she had a knife, acknowledging that she had a knife and acknowledging that there were other things that could have been implemented to spare both lives. And that's where we need to get to because it's legal does not make it permissible nor right or ethical. And we have to start looking at people as if they have value. That is what Black Lives Matter was trying to say in their messaging that our lives have value as well. And some reason we have allowed people to create a hierarchy of who lives, whose lives matter more instead of everybody's lives mattering. And we have to talk about it. Don't get quiet on me. I know I'm just on my whole little pedestal, but I'm, I'm just disturbed by the things that I am seeing. Um, I'm disturbed by the fact that you guys have to exist in this space. I'm disturbed because people assume that you have skills that, that you have not yet developed Although you all are very uh, sharp and intelligent and, and all that, I can tell you right now, you don't have a skill set that I have because you ain't lived enough. You haven't had a certain certain experiences. 
So you couldn't be on the same level as me. So I'm trying to figure out why these dingbats think that children have all these skills and that they are supposed to be able to see black death constantly, go onto these school campuses and remain unfazed. It's unfair and it's unacceptable. Talk to me, Didi or Lex. Come on, Lex, somebody talk to me. I wanted uh, just to go back to just a little bit um, on, you know, how we feel like we carry ourselves differently from our peers. Um, personally, I never realized that I was, you know, carrying myself a little different than my um, counterparts. I mean, I did grow up in a white family, you know, so going out, I never really had to like hold myself to a different, different standard. You know, my parents never gave me the talk about anything really, you know, cause they, of course they didn't feel the need to one and they didn't know about it, you know, for the most part. I mean, how are they supposed to know that, you know, if we get pulled over, you know, they might try, one of us might be dead, you know, they're white. They don't have to think about that. They don't have to think twice about it, you know? Um, and it's just when I would go out, I'd just be sitting there chilling. And, you know, I've had the, we've had the police called on us multiple times, you know, and I never thought about it when I was younger. Cause I was just like, oh, okay, you know, it's probably just cause, you know, I'm black, they're white, you know, there's a little disconnect. And I never thought of it any deeper that maybe I'm just black and you see these two white people with these two black children. So it's just like, what's going on here? Like this could, this is interesting or how my parents would, we'd be out in the park and they'd say, get in the car, we're going to leave. You know, I never tried like connected anything like that as a kid. Cause I was like, okay, like something must just be happening. Cause I never really knew that there's any type of racial divide or different standards or the talks that we had to have as younger kids. I never had to go through that. But I'm um, hearing you guys say that now, you know, it's kind of, it's disheartening. It's disgusting. It's sad. You know, now I'm thinking when I have kids, my kids are going to have to go through that. You know, it's just, um, I don't know how you guys do it. Who's you guys? All, all five of you in this call right now. <laughs> <In this. laughs> well, I mean, and then I just want to provide uh, folks listening with context. So you are adopted. You were adopted by white parents. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so you're saying that people couldn't mind their damn business. And they would see these black children with these white people and they would call the police because of whatever they assumed was going on, right? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to clear that up for anybody who may be uh, confused at what you're trying to explain. Um, but you're saying as, as a daughter of adopted white parents, these are things that you never realized you had to take into consideration. And then listening to young ladies who have not been adopted, um, has has you rethinking the things that you have seen um as you've grown up is that what you're yes. trying to okay. i wanted to make yes. sure yes. we make it clear okay um dd do you want to add in anything um i actually have like a question just opposed to you guys you know just like reconnected to school like what do you think is stuff that like schools or teachers could or slash should do right now in these times good question I... yeah go ahead Janice. I think that teachers, they need to be aware, like teachers be so dumbfounded because they just be so unaware. Like, you don't know about this. I'm sure it's on your TV too. Like they really, it's just like they be existing in their own little world as if they don't care enough to go and, oh, let me turn the news on. Let me see if there's anything going on um, ethically in this world that may be affecting my students. Oh, why isn't nobody participating? Oh, why isn't nobody responding? Then you got the teachers. Can somebody respond? Oh, so I'm just going to start subtracting points. Oh, well, nobody's responding. So I mean, that means everybody knows the answer, right? Let's move on. Like, no, why don't you try and check in on us? Why don't you see what's going on? It's sad that I've only came across one teacher during this entire distance learning who asked us before every class period, are you okay? One teacher, one teacher. I've had eight teachers, one teacher. It's sad. Y'all need to really be connected with your students because y'all want to correct us and correct how we do the work you give us, but y'all can't connect with us and connect with the problems and the issues we face on a daily basis. Simply, it's more so y'all don't care. And it's at this mm -hmm. point, so why should we care? Why should we care to participate in y'all classes? And y'all don't care about us. It's sickening. It's it's so sad. I feel like teachers really need to have a change of heart and a change of mind and training. Some of these teachers shouldn't even be teachers, but that's another talk for another day. Because some of y'all shouldn't be in y'all positions. But anywho, child, next. <laughs> okay. Awareness is the bare minimum. Like black kids, we have no environment or capacity to feel. There's no room for that because we're over-adultified. 
We're overexpected that we need to act good, that we're forced into compliance, which leads to the silence that we're ultimately leading to. Because nobody, we don't get called on. We're just expected to answer without, we're just expected, oh, I'm good today, I'm good. Everything's, I'm fine. Like, no, we're seeing what's happening up in the news and we're feeling every aspect of it. And we're expected to be okay. We're expected to be fine. There's no room for us to have emotions or separate feelings. It's not acceptable for us to say, I'm not okay right now. I'm not gonna be productive in this class period because my emotions are strong, because I'm a child. I don't have the capacity to know. I don't have the capacity to be as atoned or in control of my emotions as you do as my teacher. And they expect us to, and it's disgusting. Because they're assuming you have the same skills that they should possess as adults, but yeah. Uh, Melissa? Yeah, so I think that teachers need to, they need to be okay with being uncomfortable and they need to be okay with making the other students feel uncomfortable. At my school, we did, um, it was like an assembly and they got, because we go in cohorts, so there's cohort A, um, B, C, and D, and so I go on A and B, which is Monday, and so they brought all the other cohorts together on one day, and they had us talk about our feelings about the trial, and not just the trial, but everything that's going on, and I think that there needs to be more of that, making the other people feel uncomfortable, and one of my teachers went on a whole rant because he was so upset because he said he was watching the news and he turned it off, and he realized that he has the privilege to do that. And other communities, like the black community, don't get to just turn off the news because, you know, it could be our friend. It could be our uncle. It could be someone that we know. It's someone who looks like us, so we feel like it is us. And so I think that we really need to get get comfortable with making other people feel uncomfortable because as black students and black people in general, we're uncomfortable every single day because of how we look and society looks at us differently because of our skin. So we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think we also need to get comfortable with like telling our teachers like it's more we're more than just a paycheck, you know, because, you know, they're not talking to us about this because they're not getting paid to do it. They're getting paid to do this lesson plan. And they're like, OK, I need to get you all through this through this lesson. we got a test Friday. You know, they can't take time out of their day to be like, how are you guys doing? What's going on? How can I help you? You know? And maybe we need to be like, hey, I know you're not getting paid right now, but you need to create a space for us. Even if it's like during lunch, you guys can come into my room and we can talk about it. You know, they're not even doing that. Um, and it's like, how do you expect us to try and be in your class when you're not even going to be there for us? And yes, I know that technically that's not your job, but you can't expect me to excel when you obviously aren't giving us the same energy, you know, because like if my teacher's obviously not there caring about me, I'm just going to be like, OK, this class sucks. I'm going to do whatever I can to get by, but you know, I'm not going to do the most in this class. I'm not going to be participating. I mean, you, you couldn't even give me the common courtesy to ask me how I'm doing, like how I'm being affected. You know, they always say, you can shut your TV off. Like Melissa said, you can get off social media. Okay. That doesn't change the fact of anything, you know? And they're like, you need to stop bombarding yourself with all this stuff. It's still happening, whether I turn the TV on or whether I turn the TV off. It doesn't change the fact that things are wrong and no, no one's doing anything to change them. So at the end of the day, the teachers need to understand that we're more than a paycheck. We're your students. You're here for us. So you need to accommodate us with what we need. And Black students need more than just you going in and teaching a lesson. And going off of what Lex said, teachers be like, that's above my pay grade and I'm not getting paid for it. Teachers do that within modules too. Like when teaching, I've heard my teacher say, oh, well, that's above my pay grade. So I'll just give this to y'all for now. Like simple is just like, y'all, it's crazy. Like looking at the fact that y'all teachers really don't care. Like a lot of y'all, if it really does not have to do with your paycheck and you getting what you came to get, it's just like, you don't care. And it's sad because it's just like, you shouldn't be a teacher if you don't know how to nurture or care or support a child. Like you shouldn't be in that position. Matter of fact, not even just a white child. You shouldn't be in that position if you can't help serve and support a black kid. Cause that's what we're here for, black kids because it's black versus the board of education because y'all wrong and y'all crazy. And these teachers should not be teachers. A lot of y'all should not be in y'all position because you weren't taught right. You weren't trained. You simply are unaware and you're simply ignorant. 
Like, and it's just like, they weren't even taught to care. And it's just like, they're putting us in these classrooms and they're expecting us to excel. And it's just like getting that response, going back to how that teacher responded to that student. Like it's a major disconnect and that teacher shouldn't even be a teacher because what qualified you to talk to a student like that? What allowed you to get through your program and get a teaching credential if you don't even know how to communicate with people? Because obviously the communication, it's, it's not there. I agree. I agree. I just, yeah, not to answer my own question or whatever, but I feel like, like, don't y'all remember, like, when we got out of school for, like, COVID or whatever, when we weren't in school in person, everybody's like, I know this is a really hard time for everyone. People are losing their lives. So we need to just chill on the work. I'm like, bruh, why people are losing their lives every day? I mean, I don't know if you're, you know, paying attention, but... I mean, I'll yeah. take the not having to do as much work, but it's kind of just like, where's the double standard when it's happening to Black people and, like, nobody cares? Second of all, I think also when this stuff happens, not even when this stuff happens, before this stuff happens, actually, I think, you know, schools and teachers and districts or whatever need to also analyze how they are a part of the problem. The racism in their system and in their school and stuff like that, they, they need to figure out what's going on there. I feel like a lot of like, like, okay, one thing, like, you know, teachers or whatever, they'll be like, I stand with BLM, you know, to fund the police or, you know, superintendents or whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, people act like defunding the police starts at a government level. Uh, our school districts are paying like $100 million for police every year. You're a part of the problem, too. And, you know, you have all this stuff. And there's also this quote on Instagram, which I thought was facts, is just like, teachers are to black students, but police are to black people. They just don't have guns. Feel me? So, you feel me? So, I just feel like, I just feel as if they need to, you know, analyze their own racism in the process. And then I think we might be talking about this next week, too. You know, there is a school to prison pipeline as well with these teachers and with these staff and all that. It's all interconnected. We can't just be like, it's so bad that police brutality has happened. Okay. Hope you guys are okay. No, you're a part of the problem, too. And we can't. You can't act as if you're just this big institution that's just like, we're so anti-racist. We're so pro-black. Like, <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. And you're a part of the problem as well. And that's just, it is what it is. And it's 100% right. And I think that there was this one uh, meme or something that I put up on our page a while ago. It says some teachers want to know what they can do to help the situation. And the easy answer is retire. Some of them don't need to be there. And we have to have that conversation and we have to be honest about that. Some of them lack the mental capacity and the cultural competency to be there for all students, which is what they're supposed to do. Um, but y'all, y'all something else. Y'all make me happy. I just have to tell y'all, I'm so proud of you guys and the way in which you're able to kind of make the picture very, very clear for folks who are listening. And I know we're running um, out of time, uh, but I want to uh, thank everybody who joined us today. Uh, we are Black versus the Board of Education. We're missing one, but I'm sure she'll try to tap in next week, uh, Miss Trinity. Um, we want to make sure that, again, you guys are following us on Spotify, uh, subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, leave a comment, um, leave a review. We love all that. Um, you can email us at the podcast at BYLP.org uh, if you have something that you want to tell us, if you have complaints regarding what's going on on your school campuses, if they're just absolutely uh, ridiculous and you need some support, you can contact us here at the office, 916-513-7959. Um, I did hear that folks are interested in purchasing one of these fabulous t-shirts. Go ahead and model for them, ladies. Go ahead and model. Yep, yep, yep. I heard that uh, these uh, people want to purchase these t-shirts. We will have them available on our website by the end of the week. So make sure you guys tap in with us. You support um, these beautiful young people and their voices because they deserve to be heard too. Um, it is not enough for people to say they don't know how black students are feeling when they're telling you. It's up to you to listen. So once again, we love y'all. We thank y'all for listening. Um, we are so proud of our young people. Uh, we want to do this again next Monday. What do you say, ladies? Can we do it again next Monday? Yeah. Oh, I got some. I got some thumbs That's up. A so yes I for me. That's a yes oh, for me. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right there. 
because it it doesn't change unless we're willing to put in put in the sweat equity to make sure we get these issues to the forefront. Um, now we're just gonna uh, put the ball in their court and make sure that they're listening to you. So with that being said, uh, I am Miss Lorene. This is Mariah. That's Melissa, Lex, Janice, Adia. We are Black versus the Board of Education. And on one, two, three, we're going to hit them with that good wave. One, two, three. We will see y'all next week. Uh, same time, same bat channel right here live from Wakanda Elk Grove.